from thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are taking a walk through, a quick walk through the book of Acts, Acts of the Holy Spirit, a series entitled Sent. We have this week and next week, and uh, I hope you've been blessed by it. I think about it all the time. Um, the Acts of the Holy Spirit begin in Jerusalem and Judea, in other words, at home. Then they skip across the street, Samaria, ends of the world, ends of the earth, all the way around the globe into our back door again. And it's a fascinating walk uh, to see the Holy Spirit of God at work in the history past and also history present and future. Acts chapter 15 is a great text. It's a Jerusalem council. It's a favorite uh, of mine. And let's read the text together. Maybe I'll do it a little more interactively, and I think you'll see what I mean when we get to certain locations. Uh, So Acts chapter 15, the first 19 verses. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers some weird stuff. And it went like this. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. So let's pause this for a moment. Anybody have an idea of what's going on in this text? Thanks, Ron. Yeah, you got you got to become a Jew. In other words, for folks that weren't Jews, coming to Christ, you had to come to Christ on the terms of being a Jewish individual. So there was a condition put on salvation and sanctification. In other words, there were certain people following the apostles around wherever they went, and when they left, they would come back and say, you know what, those guys are only partly right. What you really got to do is you got to be a Jew before you can really be saved. That's what's going on. This is a problem all the way throughout the whole New Testament. Some cities have more of a deal with it than others. In other words, yeah, you can come to Christ, but you got to come to Christ on our terms. Interesting text. So there's this kind of blow up. Let's go to the next slide. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So they have a little bit of kind of conflict about this. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. So there's a, there's a dispute. Not that that would ever happen in any church, right? The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles, in other words, non-Jewish folks, those folks down the road how they had been converted. And it made the new, this news made all the believers very, very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So it's kind of a good news story at this point. Then some of the believers, now check this out, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, same thing, hey, wait a minute, the Gentiles, they need to be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. But the apostles and the elders met to consider that exact question. In other words, 
Are there conditions around which we go and connect with others? That's really the issue. And I've been thinking a lot about that this week. Don't go to the next slide, but check out that phrase. There were some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Now, what does that mean? Somebody. Pardon me? Could be political. There's certainly an element of the political party of the Pharisees and everything that they represented and wanted everything done according to the law of Moses and Judaism, right? What else could it be? Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. That's an option. I'm going to leave it at that. The party of the Pharisees. In other words, everybody that kind of had this bent. Everybody that kind of had that leaning. Everybody that kind of had that perspective. What's that? In business with. In conversation with. Ever been inner circle? Ever been in a small group and it kind of went that way? Kind of stinking thinking? Right? It's a fascinating thing. So we got to be careful, and I'm going to come back to this later. We got to be careful of the party that we say we belong to. Do we belong to the party of Jesus Christ in grace alone that we just sang about? Or do we have other leanings that conflict us and pull on us? Well, they all met in Jerusalem to figure this thing out. And that's the power of this text. So, verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Friends, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles, in other words, non-Jewish folks, those other folks outside the synagogue, right, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Yeah, that's good news. Because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit, starting right with those inside the synagogue and then across the street, across the border, across the borders, all the way around the world and in the back door again. We're getting to some money lines here, which means good lines. God, who knows the heart, showed that God accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as God did to us. Same Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit is at work with folks who are in the church and with folks who are outside of the church. That same Holy Spirit's always at work. No party preference. God is at work. It's pretty cool. God did not discriminate between us and them. For God purified their hearts by faith. Us versus them. When the Holy Spirit of God stands at the center, there's no discrimination between us or them. Now then, next slide. Now then, why do you put, 
Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? In other words, why are you heaping on all this extra stuff? Why are we making it more complicated? Right? It's not that hard. <laughs> Quit tying the yoke around their neck. Now, I, I, you know, that's a new one for me. I didn't grow up on the farm. My dad did. But why are we weighting them down? Why do we weight anyone down? Next slide. No. No. And you've heard this one before. But the power of this verse is in the context of everything I just read. Okay? No. It's none of that us versus them. It's none of that. You can come to Christ on our terms. It's only this. It's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. Like everybody else. Somebody say amen. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Just wanted to make sure. Let's keep going. The whole assembly, the whole assembly, kind of like you are right now, became silent. You're kind of killing me this morning. I had this, I had this really neat, engaging thing that we were going to get into. But the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas' name literally means, by the way, encouragement. As they listened to Barnabas and Paul encourage about the signs and wonders God had done among the other folks through their ministry, it was an amazing celebration of God's diversity. It was an amazing centrality of the person and work of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit keeps going. And everybody became silent because they were so happy about this. I might just read the text and sit down. I'm just kidding. All right, next slide. When they finished, James spoke up. Friends, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles, okay? So he's softening them up. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. Now he quotes Amos, After this I'll return and I'll rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of humankind, the rest of humankind, may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things? Things known from long ago. Another money line. It's my judgment, therefore. Here's the decision, right? Here's what they came together to work out. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So I have two questions about this one, and it's this, that phrase, not make it difficult for those who 
didn't grow up in the church to turn to God. First of all, how do we make it difficult? Now, I've been thinking a lot about this uh, in my own life because I got baptized in the church. I grew up in the church. This may sound like some stories here. Uh, I had to go to church in high school, but it was still a part of my life, and those seeds that were planted were transformational. Even though I, I looked half asleep and felt mostly asleep when I went to church as a high school student, when I went to college, I still went to church. I mean, I did. When I went to college, I still went to church, and it was a fascinating time for me because faith became my own at that time. It just was, it just, it became my own. I went to church because I, I wanted to. I loved to sing. There were a lot of reasons I went to church. In college, many of the reasons were tied to a blonde-haired, blue-eyed gal but that's a whole other story. Still brought me. Right? And then we graduated and got married, and I went to graduate school seminary. And I was still going to church. In other words, 57 years of always going to church. And there's so many times in my life where I sit in different places and I think, man, if somebody didn't grow up going to church and came into a place like this, how difficult might we be making it? I mean, pews? That doesn't sound or smell good to me. I mean, right? I mean, just the words, the, the language, the songs, the instrumentation, the, the vestments. There's the word and the costume, you know. Narthex. What's a narthex? Well, it's a porch. It's really what it is. But we got all this funky language and customs, right? So what are ways we make it difficult for folks? Audience participation, non-rhetorical, just a few. I don't want to spend too much time on this. What? Length? Oh, language. And length, I suppose. Great, thanks a lot. Okay, what else? Language. Membership, yeah. Okay, confession. Well, what is confession? Why do I even need to confess, right, you know? Isn't it fascinating? What are some other ones? How about this side of the room? Yeah. Missed it. Clothing. I'm going to forget about that one. Can I get you a tissue? <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, right? Asking for money. Being judgmental. Being judgmental. What? Salvation. Salvation. Yeah, what does even that mean? Why do I need that? You judged me. Just so that I'm not having a conversation with this side of the room. Anybody? <laughs> Communion? Yeah, what is that? You know, one of the... One of the things that when the church was going early on, like way back when it was not called Christians, when they were people of the way, outsiders were looking at Christian folks, that's what we call them now, and saying, what are they doing drinking blood? 
It, it literally was an argument against faith way back. So yeah, communion. Anything else? Yeah, Judy. Yeah, I mean, the mysteries of the Trinity. You know, how do you, how do you talk about stuff like that in a way that matters? Okay, so what's that? Sure. Yeah. What, what's really different? I, I can't see my neighbors are Christians. I see know they have a big heart and a big house. They're getting the real estate mortgage. So, so what's different? What's different about us? So why, why would I want to join that club? Yeah, why, why would I want to join that club? Okay. So I don't want to spend any more time on the ways we make it difficult. I want to flip it now. Okay? What are ways in which the people of God make it less difficult? Caring. Evangelizing, but there's the word thing again, right? Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, okay, but how do we do it? Good questions. Community, inclusivity, friendliness, right? I mean, we're all pretty much friends. Love, welcoming. Accepting relationships. Notice the, notice the significant difference between the language and the words we used about making it difficult versus the language making it less difficult. Right? Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So, what's the point of Acts 15? What does it mean? What does it mean for us? I think it asks the question, how do we go shoulder to shoulder with all people? Not just those in the, I'll use your language, club, synagogue, church. Right? How do we incarnate the words that we use to describe, make it less difficult? How do we live that out? I mean, truly. Truly live it out so that there's no us versus them. So that the barriers are removed. So that we don't ask people to come and join us on our terms. We go, we're sent, and we live life on their terms. Not diving headlong into some of the other stuff that they dive into, but we're different. We're qualitatively, there's a qualitative difference. On the back of the worship folder, I think there's probably four ways we can do it. And I'm going to do these quick. i got to go get my notes. Interesting text, eh? It's powerful. Uh, four ways, four steps in going shoulder to shoulder with all people. If we really are sent, and I think we are, I think this church has an amazing sentness to it. First one's tough to hear, but important to say, beware of party leanings. We've got to beware of that. We've got to beware of our angles. We've got to beware of our slant. We've got to be aware of the folks that talk to us 
as Lynn was mentioning in our minds. I call it just stinking thinking. We've got to be aware of the stinking thinking going on in our minds and in our lives and the ways in which that layers on other people and weights them down, puts a yoke around their neck. In other words, it creates a burden. How do we, how do we free ourselves so that there's a bridge that is literally built? It's a, it's a strong and powerful temptation. The power of this text is there's no us versus them. The power of this text is that it is don't make it so difficult for those who are not like you. The power of this text is create bridges. The power of this text is don't encumber folks by asking them to come and join on your terms. Beware of our party leanings. Secondly, second step, and I think the, uh, to me these are all powerful. Uh, God's always working in everyone before you or I or anybody else shows up. And the Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit of God. God's at work with everyone, everywhere, regardless. A colleague of Alfredo's and mine, and some of you know her, Candy Blankman, uh, wrote a book called Groundings, Participant's Guide, Leader's Guide, Journal, and Grounding Stories. She really knows how to market. In her book, Groundings Stories, she tells a story about a woman named Lily who managed to find her way to San Clemente Presbyterian Church just down the road. After her entire life being spent not being allowed to go into church. Now you might be thinking, how's that even possible? Well, when she was growing up, her father was an atheist and said, no church for my daughter or my son. Now the mom, Lily's mom, was a little more sympathetic to church, but dad ruled with kind of this strong iron fist. Lily's uncle was a Methodist pastor, Methodist minister. One day, Lily's mom set up a long hike and walk in the woods for Lily and her brother and mom and uncle, Methodist minister uncle. Took a long walk and hike in the woods. After they walked for a long time, they stopped at a bird bath out in the middle of the woods, nowhere. And this uncle baptized her and her brother incognito in the woods. And as Candy developed a relationship on Lily's terms with Lily, Lily asked, does that baptism count? It was in a bird bath, for goodness sakes. It wasn't on the stage of a church with lights and ornamentation and language. And I think Candy answered rightly to a degree which might cause me to lose my ordination. <laughs> Does that count? Absolutely that counts. Now, it's not in the Presbyterian manner. It's not into a community. So it's right and wrong at the same time. 
but the Holy Spirit of God is still at work. Right? Does it really matter? No. I don't think so. See, Lily lived a life without church, but she wasn't living a life without God. God's always at work in people's lives. Whether they're sitting in here or at a ballpark right now. Way before we ever get onto the scene in the life of somebody else, God's been at work with that person. We're just the next one in line with a divine encounter, with a divine appointment, with a thin place, or Candy likes to call it a third place. Where a field becomes a baseball diamond, becomes a place where you can have a conversation about whatever spiritual awakening somebody like Lily would want to share in a moment and in a place like that. God's always at work. Third step, when we want to go shoulder to shoulder with people, if we're serious about being sent, and I think we ought to be, is that there's a focus on common humanity. See, they built bridges. The early apostles built bridges on behalf of the church. They were mavericks. They were pioneers. They were apostles. (laughs) They pushed the boundaries further and further and further out from the center and away from language and tradition and ideology and party framework and stinking thinking. And that's what's so magical and amazing and beautiful about the Holy Spirit of God. You find that? And lastly, Just be available to listen to other people on their terms and be a good conversationalist and, and ask good questions. So we've spent two months or more talking about how the church is really, the momentum is outward focus. It's sentness. This isn't just language. This isn't just a nice thing to say on a Sunday. It really ought to be the motivation and the inertia and the energy for all that we say and do and become. Building bridges. Meeting people on their terms. Eliminating us versus them. And certainly, my pet peeve, perhaps if I have one today, asking people to come to faith on our terms, with our language and our traditions. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Himself, blows those out of the water every single time. He meets a woman at a well who was loose. Doesn't preach. Just as available. Simply there. So friends, as we talk more about sentness inevitably the question becomes okay we get it it's it's what the church is to be but individually i am that as well how do i do that there's a lenten bible study series right now called groundings 
I, just, I encourage everybody to, if you're not in a small group, just commit to being in one for seven or eight weeks. Because it talks about how to go shoulder to shoulder. Like Jesus did, the Holy Spirit empowers and moves us to become to the glory of the one we are singing to all morning, the Holy God. When we do this, we're going to learn to hear God in thin places where the veil between God and humankind gets very thin so as to be even unnoticed. Candy quotes Archbishop Rowan Williams, and I love this quote. Every object or person we encounter is in a relationship with God before they're in a relationship of any kind with us. And if that doesn't make us approach the world and other people with reverence and amazement, I don't know what will. So great to be alive. So I have an action step. You ready for it? You want it? Challenge. Sign up for a groundings experience. This is not a commercial. This is faith in action. It runs during Lent. And it'll help us connect the dots between faith and life between Sunday and Monday through Saturday. It'll help us move from an us versus them to everyone, everywhere. It'll help us move from asleep to awake to God at work and alive in everyone's life everywhere. Now, is your heart racing a little bit? Yeah, mine is. Because it's safer in here. We got, we got walls. But the church is not a building. The church is people. So set aside all the stinking thinking and see Denise, raise your hand, and whoever else she's got working with her out there and, and risk getting involved in this. What the heck? What do you got to lose? You can go back to your regular life eight weeks from now. <laughs> Give it a try. It's probably going to be the most exciting thing you've ever done. I'm not making that up. Will you go there with me? Si, senor, I like that. No temas, grace solamente. Let's pray. Hey, we're all on a journey, myself included. I think about going to the high school across the street and I almost have a heart attack. I think about the people in my own life, like Len's sitcom. My stinking thinking. And I confess my stinking thinking is usually something like this. Just not enough. Not good enough, not enough. Just some version of not good enough. What a horrible chain in jail to be shackled to. Break the shackles, break the chains. Freedom for all as we go shoulder to shoulder in a church and in a people who are sent. Come Lord Jesus, come. In whose name we pray. Amen.
Right, buddy? Hey, why don't we stand? I'm glad I was able to